0: there's a change coming to student loans that you need to be aware of supreme court justice clarence thomas was back in the headlines this week after releasing his financial disclosure records information on these stories and much more coming up on today's episode of bbp news Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here. It is Monday, September 4th. 2023 and we're back here with another news episode glad to be back after a great Labor Day weekend I hope you guys had a good time over this weekend we had some good episodes here we had good news of course I hope you guys enjoyed good news Saturday for the month of September if you haven't listened to that already be sure to go back and give that a listen because it is such a good show a lot of good stories a lot of positivity you don't want to miss out on that but no i hope you guys had a good time i definitely had a blast got to hang out with my nephews uh it was it was awesome but before we get into anything else before we talk about anything Let's get into the weather, headed into this week, see what we're looking at. And we start out, as always, in Los Angeles, California, where it will be mostly clear today with a high of 79 degrees, moving over into Houston, Texas, and there will be some thunderstorms moving through the area today with a high of 94. In Chicago, Illinois, it'll be mostly clear today with a high of 92, and in New York City, expect some partly cloudy skies with a high of 91. Yeah. Los Angeles is going to be the coolest out of our four locations today. I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think that has ever happened in the time that we've been doing this, but Los Angeles cooler by a lot, you know, all these other cities, these three other cities, Houston, Chicago, New York city, all in the nineties, 91, 92, 94. Then you got little, you know, Oh, Los Angeles over there just hanging out at 79 degrees. I'm kind of jealous. I love 79. That's a good area to me. 75 to 80 is beautiful. I would take that right now. But unfortunately, it's going to be a heat wave over here for a few days. 93 days in a row. Four days in a row almost. Today itself is going to be close to 90 where I'm at. And then 90 over the next three days. So it's going to be a rough time. It's going to be a rough time. But hopefully... It'll break immediately afterwards and we can go back to what we've been having around, you know, 70, 75, 80, somewhere in that general 10 degree range. But there's not a whole lot else for me to talk about. I'm going back to college where we're restarting college again tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. I uh, got some new classes starting. It's going to be crazy going to be crazy starting a new degree program. So it's going to be a massive change from what I've been doing, but I'm really, really excited to get back into the swing of things. It should be a good time. But uh, beyond that, again, not much to say. And we've got lots and lots of news to get through today. So it's better that we just jump right into it here. And we start out talking about student loans, because if you have a federal student loan, Things have started to change. After more than three years, starting September 1st, interest has started accruing again on federal student loans. So here's what you need to know about that. Back in March of 2020, because of the pandemic, the federal government not only paused monthly payments, but also set federal student loan interest rates at 0%. But... Starting on September 1st, interest has once again started accruing the way it used to on your loan. So, what does your interest rate look like? Well, it depends on two things. The type of federal loan that you have and the first disbursement date of the loan. The disbursement date is the date that your school paid out your direct loan by applying the loan funds to your school account or paying you directly or both. And those rates vary slightly from as little as 2.75% up to 8.5%. Most borrowers' rates will be the same as before the 0% interest rate began. But some borrowers will find that their interest rate has changed for several reasons. For example, if you consolidated your loans during the payment pause. But what should you do now? First, brace yourselves. You will get your first monthly bill for your federal student loan in a few weeks if you haven't gotten it already. And your first payment is going to be due in early October. And if you have not done it already, you need to update your contact information on studentaid.gov. And you should also update that information on your loan servicer's website. It's possible that your servicer may have changed over the last few years. So to find out who your servicer is now, log into your student aid account. Next, you should look into your repayment options. There are new income-driven repayment programs available, including the SAVE program, which I have been talking about a lot recently, but if you were on an IDR plan in the past and want to continue with that program, you need to recertify your income. Sooner is better than later, but you do have up to six months to recertify. The Department of Education says it's not mandatory, but you can also sign up for auto pay, and if you do, you'll save a quarter percent on your interest rate. Now, if you just can't swing these payments currently, the president created what's called the on-ramp program. Of course, payments will still be due and interest will still accrue, but the on-ramp program will ensure that you are not reported as delinquent to the credit agencies if you are late with a payment, miss a payment, or send in a partial payment that will last through september 30th of next year and you can also apply for forbearance or deferment again but that of course does have its pros and cons supreme court justice clarence thomas confirmed on paper what we already knew he did in fact accept trips on private planes lavish vacations and real estate deals from a conservative mega donor that he didn't originally disclose justice thomas filed this 2022 financial disclosure form on Friday after asking for an extension back in May. The form shows three of the four reimbursements came from Harlan Crow. He is a conservative mega-donor billionaire who has been friends with the Thomases for years. They include flying on private planes, meals and lodging on Crow's Dime to speak at conservative conferences and a six-day vacation at Crow's luxurious Adirondacks estate. Justice Thomas said that he flew private in May of 2022 because of the increased security concerns following the leak of the opinion that ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade and said he flew private again in February because of an unexpected ice storm. The document also discloses new details about Justice Thomas' finances from prior years that he said he inadvertently omitted from earlier financial disclosure forms. That included the $133,000 Harlan Crow paid Justice Thomas in 2014 to purchase all three of Thomas' family homes in Georgia. The Justice also disclosed the sale of two of his other Georgia properties in 2014 that he was using as rentals. He says both of these real estate transactions were a capital loss. Justice Thomas said that his only non-investment income in 2022 was $12,000 from the Antonin Scalia Law School. As I have reported before, there is no formal code of conduct for the Supreme Court. There is no piece of paper listing what ethically the justices can and cannot do but all public servants including congress the president and the supreme court justices are required to publicly disclose gifts travel and income they receive so that the american people can see exactly where there could be any influence from outside sources But for the Supreme Court, that line is very blurry. And the only reason we found out about these gifts and travel for Justice Thomas months ago is because of investigative reporting from ProPublica. This issue with Justice Thomas has also prompted Congress to controversially consider imposing some kind of ethics reform on the court, a move that so far the court has resisted. Inflation is coming down the job market is strong credit card debt is the highest it's ever been unemployment ticked up in august hourly wages are up credit card delinquencies are up hiring is slowing down consumer spending is up and mortgage rates are hitting a 20-year high i know all of the headlines about the economy are overwhelming there's good There's bad, they contradict, and sometimes they just don't match up with what you are seeing in everyday life. But the reality is in less than three weeks, the Federal Reserve will take all of the actual data behind those contradicting headlines and decide whether or not to raise interest rates again. So, do we have a hint as to which way they're leaning at this point? Yeah, we actually do. As last week, the Fed chair essentially said that they are not afraid to raise interest rates once again. The chairman says that he expects at least one more rate hike in 2023. Now, there are only three more Fed meetings left this year, so the rate hike may not happen this month. But it may come in early November or December depending on what the market looks like. And that market is complicated. The numbers show that overall inflation or headline inflation has been coming down steadily since last year. But food prices are still high. The job market is still strong and jobs are still being created albeit fewer than before. But more people are joining the workforce. Also, in August, unemployment ticked back up to 3.8%. Now, the Fed chair explained the reasons for America's complicated economic picture and stubbornly high inflation. And it's important to note that inflation is a global problem right now, not just here in America. And where it's headed, according to the Federal Reserve, is down. The Fed chair fully expects inflation to get back to the target rate of 2%, even if they have to continue raising interest rates into next year even if that means that the u.s economy slows down and more people lose their jobs the federal reserve will announce its interest rate decision on september 20th fema needs more money so the president just asked congress to add it to the budget now a few weeks ago president biden sent his supplemental budget request to congress asking for 12 billion dollars extra in fema well On Friday, he upped that request to $16 billion. And why is this? He said because of the extraordinary cost of responding to all these catastrophes happening around the country like the Maui wildfires and Hurricane Adalia. Both Maui and several parts of Florida are right now declared major disaster areas, but those aren't the only problems. There have also been wildfires in Louisiana and flooding in Vermont, and it takes a lot of money to fix all that, and the money comes from us taxpayers. If approved, that $16 billion would go to FEMA's Disaster Relief Fund, which supports victims with temporary housing, food, and money to help start rebuilding what they lost. It also helps the local government start repairing and restoring the public infrastructure. But there's a little catch. Actually, there are really two catches here. First, when Congress comes back to Washington, D.C. this week, lawmakers will only have a few days to make a deal on this supplemental budget request and all the rest of the government spending that Congress is responsible for. If they don't, the government will shut down on October 1st and there will be no money for really anything. And the other catch here is that FEMA money is also attached to a few other supplemental funding requests from the president, including $20 billion for Ukraine and about $4 billion for the southern border. At this point, several key Republicans in the House are pushing back, saying they won't support any budget requests from the president if they are attached to Ukraine unless they get some of their demands met. And so the next few weeks are going to be very interesting. President Biden visited Florida Saturday after Hurricane Adalia slammed the state's Big Bend region on the Gulf Coast. Biden announced a trip while visiting FEMA headquarters to thank emergency personnel for aiding the responses to the Maui wildfires and Hurricane Adalia. Homeland Security Advisor Elizabeth Sherwood Randall said during the White House press briefing that Biden will visit the areas most impacted by the hurricane. The president spoke with Governor Ron DeSantis, who is seeking the 2024 Republican presidential nomination Friday to discuss federal assistance tied to Hurricane Adalia, and they also spoke on Thursday. President Biden also declared major disaster areas for Citrus Dixie, Hamilton, Lafayette, Levy, Suwannee, and Taylor Counties. This disaster declaration means federal funding for grants for temporary housing and home repairs, Low cost loans to cover uninsured property losses, and other programs will be made available to help individuals and business owners recover from the effects of the disaster. Federal funding is also available to state, tribal, and eligible local governments and certain private nonprofit organizations on a cost sharing basis for debris removal and emergency protective measures in the affected counties. A Fulton County judge said that all court proceedings in the election interference case against former President Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants will be live streamed and televised. Judge Scott McAfee also said that he is following the precedent set by fellow Fulton Judge Robert McBurney. All hearings and trials will be broadcast on the Fulton County Court YouTube channel. In an order issued Friday, McAfee said that members of the media would be allowed to use computers and cell phones inside the courtroom for non recording purposes during court proceedings. There will be pool coverage for television, radio, and still photography. And the proceedings, especially those involving Trump himself, are expected to attract international attention. However, this order will not apply if the Trump case is moved to federal court. That's because no cameras or electronics are ever allowed inside the federal court. Want to look at UFO reports? Do you want to know about the most common shape, color, speed? and altitude of these UFOs? What about the UFO hotspots? Where are they? If you want the answers to those questions, today is your day. And that is because I'm going to share them with you in a second, but if you want to look for yourself, the Pentagon has decided to put all the information on one brand new website, and the link for that will be in the show notes. And this website is based on reports, findings, and information from... ARROW, which is the government's office of experts leading the effort to investigate Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, or UAPs, the technical term for UFOs. The goal of ARROW is to use science and intelligence techniques to effectively and efficiently detect, track, analyze, and manage UAP sightings with the greatest transparency and shared awareness. And this website is meant to be the go-to place for all this information. Soon, the website will accept reports from current or former U.S. government employees, service members, or contractors with the knowledge of U.S. government programs related to UAPs dating back to 1945. And ultimately, this reporting feature will be open to everybody else to report UAP sightings. So real quick, I'll answer the questions from the beginning of this section. And according to Arrow, the majority of UAPs were spotted at 20,000 feet. The most common shape is round. The most common color is white, silver, or translucent. And the most common velocity is stationary to Mach 2. The first over-the-counter naloxone, a drug used to reverse opioid overdoses, will be available in retail stores and online as soon as next week, its manufacturer said last week. The medicine with the brand name of Narcan will have a suggested retail price of $44.99 per carton of two doses announced by the drugs maker in a release, and it will be initially available in stores and online from retailers including Walgreens, Rite Aid, Walmart, and CVS. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved Narcan as an over-the-counter drug in March against the backdrop of record-high deaths from opioid overdoses driven by powerful synthetic drugs like fentanyl. Narcan is a nasal spray version of naloxone, which can revive a person from an overdose within minutes. Now getting into good news for today, and we have a really cool story here as A UK couple is using their lottery winnings to help foster children in need. So this couple, they've had kids of their own. They've had kids of their own. But now that these kids are growing up, they're going to be leaving home relatively soon They decided that they wanted to foster children as well, and this was something that they had been discussing for years but never really had the opportunity to do, and the husband had been playing the Euro Millions for quite a long time, for years really, getting tickets in hopes that they would win, and one day he went out to the store and his wife and their daughter were going through the winning numbers and going back and forth, to which they all of a sudden suddenly stopped because they realized, hey... We actually have the winning numbers, or at least some of them, enough to get them over 100,700 euros. And so they called the in, they got the money and they kept that ticket safe. And now they are using that money to convert their garage into several more bedrooms for their home so that they can start the fostering process. It's an amazing thing that they're doing here and just incredible. They won this money. They could have done it to better just their own lives in general, you know, go on vacation or, you know. Do whatever. Start a new project for themselves. Buy cars. Whatever. Whatever you want to use that money for. Could have used it for their own pleasures and stuff. But... They decided that they wanted to use it to better the lives of children and to foster children. So that is an incredible moment right there, an incredible story. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will be back. Well, we will technically be back on Clubhouse later today if you want to join us there at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Otherwise, you can join us tomorrow morning for an episode of Eye on the Ball, and we will have Idiots in the News on Wednesday and another news episode on Friday. You guys know the deal. We will have Clubhouse rooms for all of those episodes but until tomorrow morning you guys were later on clubhouse we will see you later bye